Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here this morning. Welcome back again from uh, Christmas and everything. Hope uh, Christmas was a great experience for you and your family and uh, whatever plans you had and everything. So it's good to have you here uh, this morning. My name is Rich, in case you're not sure who I am. And uh, just so you know, I am so thankful uh, and, and just grateful for the opportunity to uh, speak uh, to you this morning. So I really consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to do this, uh, to talk to those of you here in the main and everybody over in the link. And so uh, thanks for the opportunity to uh, serve you uh, in, in this way today. Um, uh, over Christmas, Christmas is full of traditions. Uh, you know, your family probably has some and everything. My family has some traditions that we do over Christmas. And one of the ones that, that we have is we do an Advent calendar and uh, so we have four kids that are under six years old. So uh, our kids love our Advent calendar. So what we do is, you know, starting December twenty, starting December first, we hang up our Advent calendar. And it's kind of this Christmas tree looking thing, and we hang it up on the wall. And it has these little pockets in it. And uh, what we can do is we put little uh, little gifts in the Advent calendar for our kids. So in the morning, whenever they wake up, they know that it's Advent calendar time. And so it's nothing major that we do. Well, you know, our kids will give them a piece of candy or something like that. Uh, we'll uh, say, hey, we're going to go out for ice cream tonight. You know, that's the gift. Or, hey, we're going to go look at Christmas lights tonight. You know, something like that. So every day, you know, leading up to Christmas, starting December 1st, our kids are excited about this Advent calendar. Now, on uh, Christmas Eve, though, we try to do something a little bit more substantial for the kids. And so we'll get them a little bit bigger of an of a Advent calendar gift. And so we'll get, uh, you know, usually uh, Christmas pajamas or some type of new pajamas that they can wear on Christmas Eve and everything. And then we also get them a, a, a little bit bigger of a gift. Not not just a piece of candy, but something a little bit bigger. Uh, again, not anything huge, but something a little bit more substantial. This year, we did um, these for the kids. Uh, these are Beanie Boos. And uh, so, I, you know, I don't feel really manly holding this right now, just so you know. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I uh, don't really feel manly saying Beanie Boo. That, you know, just doesn't make me do that or anything. But uh, our kids loved it, you know. So four kids uh, under six, they just love these things. And so what we did is we kind of made it fun. We did a little scavenger hunt in the house. And so we put a note in the advent calendar and the kids would, would you know, take out the note and then we'd read it to them and we sent them on this scavenger hunt around the house. And so they had to find these things. And so they are just having a blast, just loving it, you know, and they're so excited. Oh, what do we get? What do we get? You know, looking around. What is this? Where we're at now? We're at now, you know. So anyway, uh, so our kids are starting to find these things. And so our three-year-old Torah, she finds, um, you know, this, this little pink guy right here. And she is so excited. I mean, you just, I, I don't, you just got to know Torah, but she is just a ball of energy and laughter and just loves everything. And she, so she gets it and she's like, oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so happy. And she's like spinning around and twirling and hugging it and kissing it and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and just having a blast. And then our four-year-old Mercy um, she's looking for hers, and she finally finds hers. And so she gets hers. And now up to this point, Mercy is like super excited. You know, she's just looking around and so excited to find her, her little beanie boo and stuff like that. And so she finally finds it, and she picks it up, and she looks at it. And then she looks over at Torah's. And then she looks at hers again. And then she looks at Torah's. And then she goes... But I wanted a pink one. You know, we got her a little snowman. I wanted a pink one. And then it just drama like you would not believe. You know, and so it is just crazy. At that moment, I would not have been surprised if her head started to spin around. It was just that, that bad. You know, and so she is just throwing a fit over this. And, and so up to that point, she was just so excited. But then she sees it and, and she just has this sense of, of unthankfulness. And that attitude completely stole her joy away, completely stole her joy away from, from receiving that gift. Now, this is the really interesting thing. Not only did her uh, ingratitude steal her joy, but it also stole our joy. Uh, because Carol and I, up to that, we were just so excited to give her. We found this little snowman, and we were like, this snowman, this is mercy. She's going to love this. And so we give her the snowman, and we're so excited. And then she you know, begins to act the way that she acted. And not only did it steal her joy, but it also stole our joy. And, and honestly, like the first thought that came to my mind when I saw her act that way, I was just like, you little ingrate you, you know, how could you, do you know the trouble that we went through to find that for you and all this kind of stuff? No, I didn't say that. That was, that, that causes damage when you say stuff like that. So I didn't say that. Um, but that was what I was thinking, you know, that's the first response that, that, that came to my head. Now, now she's four, she's four years old. So believe me, I understand. She's, 
I'm not holding that against her. Like, Carol and I, we have a, a responsibility to parent her towards thankfulness. And so we, we kind of sat down with her and just began to talk to her about being thankful and, and, and just showing gratitude. And then we threatened to cancel Christmas if she wasn't thankful. And so that is good parenting. Good parenting. That's a free tip for you right there. But I think as, I think as, um, as people, as people, we know that being thankful is important because we've all been there. We've all experienced something like that. We know what it's like to receive a thank you. We understand what it, what it does inside of us. You know, when we do something kind for somebody or whatever it may be, not that we're doing it to receive the thank you, but when somebody does say thanks, it just makes us feel good, doesn't it? It just creates kind of a, a good feeling on the inside. And we've also experienced the opposite. We know what it's like when people don't say thank you. And so we go out of our way maybe to do something or we're working hard to do something for somebody and we think they're going to appreciate it and think they're going to enjoy it, but they don't say thank you. And, and we may not say it, but you might think it. You little ingrate. Don't you know what I went through to do this? How could you be so unthankful for what, I, for what I've done? Now, what's really interesting is this. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I don't know where you're at in, your, in your, you know, your journey with God right now, but whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, we all know that thankfulness is important. We all understand that. It is just common courtesy to express thanks to somebody. It is just common courtesy. It is just the polite thing to do. So I think we understand that showing thanks and being thankful is just, it's, it's just an important thing to do. It's common courtesy, courtesy. But what I don't think we really grasp and what I hope we begin to grasp today by the time we leave today, I don't think we understand what thankfulness can actually do in our lives. I don't think we understand the difference that being thankful can actually make in our lives, that, that literally there are physical and psychological benefits to being, to being thankful. A life of thankfulness is one of the greatest gifts you could ever give yourself. I really believe that. If you leave here today and you decide that I am going to live a life of thankfulness, you are giving yourself one of the greatest gifts that you could ever give yourself because it is going to make a huge difference in your life. There were studies that were actually done on this. Uh, last year, 2012, there was a study done with athletes. And, that, and this study uh, uh, showed that athletes who demonstrated and uh, uh, gratitude and thankfulness for their ability to play their sport. So athletes who demonstrated thankfulness and gratitude for their ability to play their sport actually performed at a higher level than athletes who just looked at their sport as a job or who just looked at their sport as something to do. There's another study that was done that showed that people that, that uh, actually have this thankful type of attitude, they actually lived longer than people with cranky pants. That is an actual study that was done. Uh, now, I don't think cranky pants was a scientific term that they used, but, but you kind of understand what's going on, that people that live thankful li lives live longer than people who don't live thankful lives. That was a study that was done. Another study was done with college students. And, and this study simply asked college students to write one thank you letter every two weeks to somebody. And so to think about somebody in their life who has done something for them, somebody currently or somebody from their past or whatever it may be, and to sit down once every two weeks and write a thank you letter. And what this study found was that, uh, you know, after they would write the thank you letter, they then asked the college students to fill out a survey about how they were feeling. And at the end of the study, they found that uh, the results showed that the more thank you letters they wrote, the better they felt. And so being thankful, expressing thanks, actually helped people to feel better. And so follower of Jesus or not, living a thankful life is just good for you. It's just good for you because the alternative is a life of stress. The alternative is a life of entitlement. The alternative is a life of just making things miserable for everyone else who is around you. And so I don't know about you, that's not the kind of life I want. I want a life that is thankful. I want a life that is filled uh, with gratitude and with thankfulness. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles right now to Colossians chapter 2. 
Colossians chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, uh, just put up your hand. We'll have one of our ushers will come around, and, and you can have a Bible. If you need a Bible at home, you can take that one with you and everything. But we would really like for you to be able to follow along uh, just in the Bible with us this morning. And so as you're turning to Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And as those Bibles are being passed out, I, I just want to say this, though, as you're, as you're doing that. I, I do want to say this. Those of us who are followers of Jesus should be the most thankful people on the planet. I really believe that. That those of us who are followers of Jesus should be the most thankful people on the planet. Cranky pants are not a part of the armor of God. I don't know if you realize that. When God tells us to put on his armor, he does not say, yes, put on, put on truth and righteousness and faith and peace and the sword of the spirit and then top that off with cranky pants. You know, that is not what we're told to do. That is not part of the armor of God. But the reality is this, we all know people who are crankful instead of thankful. We all know people that are like that. You may be sitting next to somebody who you're like, that's them, you know, and, and stuff. And so you're probably thinking to yourself, it is really good that this person is here. I am so glad that they're going to hear today because they really need to hear this. And you know what that person is thinking? That person is thinking it's really good that they're here today because this is so important for them to hear. It's really good. for The reality is this. This is good for all of us to hear. This is something that we all need to understand. And I am putting myself at the top of that list because as I was just preparing this week and just kind of studying and, and all that kind of stuff, man, I was just blessed, blessed. And I was blessed because I was just thinking about everything that I have to be thankful for. And it just totally blessed my life. And so um, it's gonna be good for us today to uh, hear this. Uh, Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. Why don't you go ahead and stand as we read God's word together. If you're in the link, you can go ahead and stand as well. But Colossians chapter two, verses six through seven. Let's go ahead and read it together. It says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, you can go ahead and have a seat. Again, um, if you are a follower of, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're here today and you're just kind of just checking church out, or maybe you're back at church for the first time in a long time, or you're just kind of curious about what is all this Jesus stuff about, all that kind of stuff. If you're not a follower of Jesus, living a thankful life is still going to be good for you. It, it is. It, you can never go wrong with thankfulness. And so if you take what you hear today and you apply it to your life, I'm convinced that you're just going to have a better life because thankfulness is just going to be good for us. You can never go wrong with thankfulness. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are somebody who has embraced Jesus's way of life, an attitude of thankfulness should be one of the defining characteristics of your life. It should be one of the defining characteristics of your life. It is not an option for us. Being thankful is not an option. We are told our lives should overflow with thankfulness. Let's look at verse seven. Verse seven again says, you can read it. It says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So in other words, if you have committed yourself to following Jesus's way of life, if this is something you've committed yourself to, I am going to be about following Jesus's way of life. Then we're told, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And so in other words, what we're being told here is if you, if you have embraced Jesus's way of life, continue to take steps closer to him. Continue to take steps closer to Jesus. Talk with him. Spend time in the Bible. Serve other people. Take steps of faith so that your trust in God literally becomes the foundation for your life. Your trust in God becomes what your life is built on and built around. And then you take what you, what you learn from your own time reading the Bible, and you take what you learn from our time together at Grace Community Church, and you go out and do it. You, you apply that to your life. And when we do those things, we're told in Colossians chapter 2 that our lives will overflow overflow with thankfulness. 
That's the word that really just kind of stuck in my, in my mind. That's the word that just looked really big to me as I was reading that this week. Overflow, that our lives are to overflow with thankfulness. And, and so I was trying to think of what does that mean? How can we illustrate that? What does it mean to have a life that overflows with thankfulness? And so in my mind, what I was thinking that if our lives overflow with thankfulness, it's going to look like this. Thankfulness just cannot wait to get out of you. That, that you have so much gratitude, so much thankfulness that is stored up in your heart and in your life that it is just waiting to explode out of you, that it just cannot wait to come out of your life. And I was thinking, oh, what does that look like? What would it look like to, to have thankfulness explode out of our lives? Um, a couple of years ago, um, our church did a, uh, it was called a Next Gen Conference. It was for uh, uh, children's workers. Pastor John actually put this conference on, invited uh, other children's workers from around the area and stuff like that. And so we had it here at the church a few years ago. And uh, there was a guy who was there, his name was Brock uh, Kritzberg, Brock Kritzberg, and he was actually uh, on the Olympic bobsled team. And so just this amazing athlete, just this real, just a rock of a man, just, just huge and just solid muscle, and a really, really super nice guy, follower of Jesus, passionate about kids, and he was really good. So anyway, he was there, he was kind of like the main speaker there and stuff, and John and I, uh, kind of like, our role was to kind of emcee the event and just kind of banter back and forth and try to be funny and lighthearted and all that kind of stuff. And so Brock was there, the Olympic bobsledder, and John thought it would be funny if during one of the sessions I would wear Brock's bobsled suit. And so, so I did. I actually got a picture of it right here. Um, this is, there it is, kind of dark, but that's me in a bobsled suit. And so I apologize for those of you that have just thrown up in your mouth. That is kind of disgusting to see me <laughs> in a bobsled suit. But I don't know if you've ever worn a bobsled suit before, but let me tell you this. I have never been so constricted in my life as I was in that thing. It was like, I put that thing on and it was just like, you know, it was in like shrink wrap or something, you know, and I was so constricted and so tight and I just could not wait to get out of that thing. It was just unbelievable. You know, it was like spandex on steroids. It was just so tightly wrapped around my body. And so everybody's laughing, you know, and they're you know, having fun. And, oh, look at Rich, the, the freak in the bobsled suit, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it was just kind of funny and everything. The entire time, though, as I'm up on stage, I'm thinking, I cannot wait to get out of this thing. I can't breathe, you know, and so I am, uh, so finally, you know, we're done, and, and I go to unzip that thing. I have never been so happy to get out of something in my life. Seriously, like I unzip it, and my body just went, like it just, just exploded, just exploded out of this bobsled suit, you know, and it felt so good to be out of that thing, and, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, that's what it means to overflow with thankfulness, like, like thankfulness just wants to explode out of our lives that every thought that we unzip, every word that we unzip, every action that we unzip, that thankfulness is just like, like it just comes out of you and you just cannot help but be thankful. It just wants to explode out of your life. And the really awesome thing about it is this, whenever thankfulness does that, whenever this happens, Joy flows into your life when thankfulness explodes from your heart. It's just, it's just a truth. Joy will flow into your life when thankfulness will explode from your heart. You just have this greater sense of, this greater sense of fulfillment, this, this greater sense of, of satisfaction, this, this greater sense of contentment, this greater sense of happiness. You just begin to see things differently when you see things through thankful eyes. And so it, it means that in good times or hard times, in prosperous times or in lean times, your life does not become circumstance dependent. You don't have to wait for something to make you smile because when you look at things through thankful eyes, you see things that make you smile all the time. And the more grateful you are, the more thankful you are, the more you'll notice how much you have to be thankful for. And so I think that you can kind of think of thankfulness as a muscle that the more you do with it, 
the more thankful you are going to become. If thankfulness is like a muscle, the more thankful you are, the stronger your thankfulness will become. It's kind of like this. You know, if you are, uh, if you ever work out or use weights or anything like that, you know, normally I got the 60 pounders, but just using the 20 this time, you know. Um, anyway, uh, you know, if we work out and we're lifting weights or whatever it may be, the more we use our muscles, the stronger our muscles are going to become. And so if I'm doing this with my arms, my arms are going to become stronger. If I'm squatting, my legs are going to become stronger. If I'm doing uh, chest exercises, my chest is going to become stronger. Our heart is a muscle. If I am running and exercising my heart, my heart is going to become stronger. And so if thankfulness is like a muscle, the more I use it, the stronger it is going to become. And so how I'm kind of looking at my role uh, with you this morning is I kind of want to be a personal trainer for you. And I want to give you three different exercises that will help increase your thankfulness. And that will help thankfulness to become one of the defining characteristics of your life. Where thankfulness just doesn't trickle out of you. Where thankfulness just doesn't ooze out of you. Where thankfulness literally explodes out of you. It cannot wait to come out in your life. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So the first exercise is this. The first one, and now it sounds really simple, but this is going to actually be difficult for, for some of us. But the first one is this. Simply choose to be thankful. Choose to be thankful. Thankfulness is always a choice that I can make. And so choose to be thankful. How can we do that? Uh, just turn back in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. That's just going to be like, you know, one or two pages back in your Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says this. It says, uh, finally, brothers and sisters, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. To my knowledge, it is psychologically impossible to experience two contradictory emotions at the same time. You just cannot do it. It's impossible to experience two um, contradictory emotions at the same time. So what that means is you cannot feel stressed and thankful at the same time. You can't do it because those are contradictory emotions. And so you cannot feel s stressed and thankful at the same time. It's impossible. So the more you focus on the negative, the more stress you will feel. And the more stress you feel, the more negative your life will become. And so, I don't know if you can see that cycle. Do you guys see that? that? That the more that you focus on the negative that's going on in your life, the more stress you're going to feel. And the more stress you feel, the more negative your life is going to become. And so it's just this vicious, vicious cycle that will go on and on and on as long as we stay on that wheel. It's a vicious cycle, but it can be broken. And the way that we break it is like this. We break it by what you focus your thoughts on. That's how that cycle gets broken. It gets broken by what you focus your thoughts on. You may not be able to change how you feel, but you can change how you think. I think that's really important for us to understand. You may not be able to change how you feel, but you can change how you think. And changing how you think will often begin to change how you feel. This is one of the things that I wish somebody would have told me this a long, long time ago, but I wish somebody would have told me like how much of a battlefield our mind really is. I wish that years ago that somebody would have just told me that, that my greatest battles in life will probably be won or lost in my mind. 
that, that our mind is, is a battlefield. And the older I get, the more I experience it in my life. And the older I get, the more I see it in the lives of other people that our greatest battlefield is our mind. And I really think that God understands this. I really believe that God realizes he created us. So he knows that this is a truth that's going to play itself out in our lives. And so that is why he gives us promises about our mind in the Bible. And, and he says that we can uh, literally change the way we think, that it is a right as a son or daughter of God, that we can actually change the way we think. We're told that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where we are told that our lives can be completely transformed when we renew our mind, that we can have a new life, a transformed life, a different life when our minds are renewed. Now, how do we renew our minds? We renew our minds by renewing our thoughts. That's how you do it. So the more you focus your attention and the more you focus your thoughts to whatever is noble, to whatever is right, to whatever is pure, to whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, the more you think about those types of things, the more renewed your mind becomes and the more thankful you will begin to feel. I was able to run this year uh, two marathons. And uh, one of the things that I've learned uh, while I run is that the more negative my thoughts are during a run, the less I will enjoy my run. That's just one of the things that I have found out uh, as, as I've just run over the past few years, that when my thoughts are negative, during a run, my runs are usually really bad and I just don't enjoy them as much. And, and I actually saw this play out uh, in my life just a, just a couple days ago. Um, and because let me explain how this works because I just experienced it. It's very fresh uh, in, in my mind right now. Now, as I tell you this, I want you to keep this in mind. I, I have run in the area of 800 miles this year. I have finished two marathons this year. Um, I am a runner. I would say that I enjoy running, but this will demonstrate the power that our mind has, because even though I've done all of those things, uh, my mind still has a lot of control over um, my actions and how I experience things. And so um, I went for a run a few days ago, and uh, it was just one of those runs that was like from the very beginning just did not feel good. It was just, it was, it was, it was cold outside. Uh, the wind was blowing like right in my face. It was just bitter, you know? And so I'm, in a, I'm about 50 steps, literally about 50 steps into my run. And I'm thinking to myself, this just is not fun right now at all. You know, and so my legs felt heavy, my feet felt, so I'm running, it's like, boom. You know, it just felt like I was taking big steps and stomps like that and everything. And, and so the entire time, I'm just like, wow, this, this hurts. This is not fun. What is going on? I feel kind of miserable right now. And I was planning on doing this two and a half mile loop that runs past my house. I was planning on doing that a couple times. And so I finish one loop and I'm coming up to my house and I'm looking straight ahead and then I'm running and then I'm looking at my house and I'm looking straight ahead and I'm looking at my house and I'm like, you know, just running straight to the house, you know? And so I was, my thoughts were like, I am done. I am done. And so I just quit. I just quit my run. And, and I, the reason I quit is because for two and a half miles, I was focused on, I just kept telling myself, I just don't feel good. I feel miserable right now. This is hard. I am cold. You know, like I just kept on telling myself negative thought after negative thought. And this kind of shows me how, how powerful our thoughts are. Because just seven weeks ago, I ran more than 10 times that distance. Just seven weeks ago, I finished 26.2 miles. So it's not that I'm physically unable to do it. What happened was I let my mind win. I lost the battle that day. And, and I think that that's plays out in our lives so often that, that there one moment we can have a great victory in our mind and then the next moment we're like, whoa, what just happened? That is the battlefield of our mind. And I quit, it, I, the, my mind won. I just talked myself out of the run that day. Now contrast that 
with uh, like the, the two marathons that I ran this year. Contrast that because a lot of times, you know, people have found out that I enjoy running, that I did, you know, a marathon in May and a marathon in November and stuff. And so people have found, you know, they, why do you do that? Why do you run? How could you run 26.2 miles, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, I really think one of the reasons why I actually enjoy running like that. One of the reasons I actually enjoy doing a marathon is because for four and a half hours, this, that's how long it takes me, uh, it's taken me to do marathons. For four and a half hours, I am filling my mind with positive thoughts. For four and a half hours straight, this is what's going on in my mind as I'm running. You are doing such a good job. You are going to feel so great when you're done. Man, this is awesome. How how blessed you are to be able to do this because there are a lot of people who wish that they could do this and they're unable to physically because of an injury or something that's happened to them. You are really blessed. How blessed you are because a couple years ago, there's no way that you could have did something like this. You were unhealthy a couple years ago and now you're healthy, you're running. You're setting a good example for your kids to follow. Those are the thoughts that I'm telling myself for four and a half hours straight. And when I tell myself positive thoughts like that, I feel good. That is how I get to the finish line of 26.2 miles because for four and a half hours, I am just telling myself good things. I am focusing my thoughts on, on whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. I'm shutting out all the other voices and I'm focusing on just those good voices. That's a good thing to do when you're running. It's a good thing to do when you go through life. It is. I may not be able to change the way I feel, but I can change the way I think. That is what I have control over. And changing the way I think will often help change the way I feel. How does this play out in our lives? I want you to think about it like this. If we were sitting across the table from each other today, if maybe uh, after church or something, we went out to lunch or whatever it is, and we were sitting across the table from each other, I bet that you could probably tell me what is stealing your joy right now without having to think too hard about it. There's probably something that, that comes in your mind right now, something that has popped up to you that you're like, that's the thing. That's the thing that's taking my joy away. That's the thing that is stealing my joy from me. I'm in no way trying to minimize what you're going through. So please don't take it like that. I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't hurt, that it's not painful. I am in no way trying to minimize what you're going through. So please don't take it in this way. But what I know is this. If you only focus your thoughts on how awful things are or how bad things are or how hurt you feel right now, your life will never explode with thankfulness because you cannot experience two contradictory emotions at the same time. You just cannot do it. But if you begin to say things like this, God, you know what I'm going through, God. God, you know that I am hurting. God, you know that I am scared. But God, thank you for knowing the future. God, thank you for having a plan. God, thank you that you have a picture in mind of who you want me to become. God, thank you that nothing is too much that you and I can't handle together. God, thank you for offering me peace. God, thank you for saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I really need Christ to strengthen me right now. Thank you for the assurance that I am not going anywhere where you have not already been. Thank you for allowing me to experience your presence in the midst of this hurt and this pain. And when you do these things, doing this will help you find God in the most unlikely of places. When you do those things, you will be able to find God in the most unlikely of places because you may not be able to change how you feel, but you can change how you think. That is a promise from God. We will worry less when we give thanks more. So choose to be thankful. Second exercise that we can do is this. We can train our hearts to explode with thankfulness by reflecting on what God has done for us. We can train our hearts to explode with thankfulness by reflecting on what God has done for us. Uh, turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. 
We're going to look at verse 28. Hebrews is toward the back of your Bible. So if you find the last book, book of Revelations, just, uh, um, you know, go forward a couple bit, you'll bump into Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That, that is, let me just read that again. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably. You cannot worship God with crankfulness. It cannot happen. If you have come into grace today with crankiness in your heart, with crankfulness in your heart, you are not going to be able to engage God because our worship of him will not be acceptable. You worship him with thankfulness. With thankfulness, that is how our worship becomes acceptable to God. I was actually talking to Pastor Jeremiah about this the other day. And he mentioned that if he's getting ready to uh, lead us in worship and he feels like something just isn't right in his heart, if he feels like something just isn't right in, his, in, his, in his, his soul at that moment, what he will do is he will step away, he'll get a piece of paper, he'll get a pen, and he'll just start writing things out that he's thankful for. He'll just start writing things out, uh, ways that God has blessed him, way, things that have happened in his life that he feels blessed by, that he feels thankful for. And after he writes that you know, thing after thing after thing, list after list after list, he will sit down and he will just begin to read those things. And he, and he said, by the time he gets to the end, he feels like his heart is ready because he is just feeling overwhelmed with all that God has done in his life. His thankfulness allows his worship to be acceptable to God because he is now able to come before God with reverence and awe. He looks at everything that God has done for him and he's able to come before God with reverence and with awe. That is what thankfulness does. That is what thankfulness does. The more we think about all God has done for us, the more reverence and awe we have of him. The more we reflect on everything that he has done, the more reverence and awe we will have of God. When is the last time that you have just sat down and just thought about God? I am so thankful that you have done this. I am so thankful that you have done that. You have done this. This has happened. This is, when is the last time that you have sat down and just thought about everything that God has given you? The Bible tells us in the book of James, it says that every good and perfect thing comes from above, that every good and perfect thing that has happened in our life comes from God. When is the last time that you have just sat down and reflected on the good things that God has gave you in your life? Even during the hard times, when is the last time that maybe you thought back that, man, my life was really hard just a few years ago, but look at where I am now. Look at how God used that event in my life to help me move forward, to spring me forward and to bring me closer to him. When is the last time that you have done that? The fact that God, the fact that God, that we have this God who is completely holy, this God who is, is completely separate from anything else that there is, this God who is just so perfect, the fact that we have a God like that, but this same God is so unchangeably committed to pursuing a relationship with you. This, this God who, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're at emotionally. It doesn't matter where you're at physically. It doesn't matter where you're at spiritually. It doesn't matter where you're at mentally. It doesn't matter where you are relationally. God was willing to cross the expanse of the universe and make a way for us to know him. He is unchangeably committed to pursuing you. And, and, and the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross, not not when we did anything good enough to earn it or not when we did anything good enough to deserve it, but when we were still in the midst of our sin. The Bible says that while we were enemies of God, that Christ was willing to die for us. And even though you and I are a little messed up, 
Even though you and I are a little messed up, we are never too messed up for Jesus. And that is one of the reasons why I, I just believe Christians, we should be the most thankful people on the planet. Because even though we're messed up, we're never too messed up for Jesus. And even though, even though we may be unclean, Jesus is clean enough for all of us. And even though we may look at our past and we may think about things that we have done and we were like, man, I am so ashamed that I acted this way or I am so ashamed that I did this or I can't believe that I hurt somebody like that or I can't believe that I was willing to allow myself to go down that path and we just want to hang our heads in shame. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 5, that those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And so the moment that we cry out to Jesus, he makes us clean, he fixes us up, he takes our shame away, and he allows us to know God. And we did absolutely nothing to deserve it. And God says, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, I am willing to offer you a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Cannot be shaken. Everything else around you may feel wobbly. Everything else around you may feel like it is like the enemy is just, just shaking everything. But God offers you a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In other words, he will be the most stabilizing force in your life. That is the God that I serve. And after an eternity of being God, he shows no signs of letting up, just so you know. He doesn't have any dilemmas. He doesn't have any drama. He doesn't have any rivals. He doesn't have any fears. He has no equal. He has no peer. He has no competition. In other words, he is God. And he is the most stabilizing power in the universe. And he offers you a part of an unshakable kingdom. And the writer of Hebrews says, because of all of that, be thankful for crying out loud. Oh my goodness, be thankful. Have you ever thought about what God has done for you? When you realize who God is and the fact that he is unchangeably committed to pursuing you, how could we not worship him with anything except reverence and awe? How can we not? How can we not? And then we're told that he is a consuming fire. That this God who loves us is a consuming fire. He is not a match. He is not a flame on the top of a stove. He is not a lighter. He is not a fire pit fire. He is not a fireplace fire. He is a consuming fire that whatever gets in his way isn't just covered. It is consumed. And I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures of like those forest fires out west and everything, those are terrifying. I cannot imagine seeing a wall of flame just come my way, waiting to consume me. And so in a sense, God is a consuming fire. He is terrifying. And yet, he's tender enough to write my name on the palm of his hand, as Isaiah 49, 16 says. He's terrifying. And yet he's interested in me enough to know the number of hairs on my head, as Luke 12, 7 says. He's terrifying, and yet he enjoys me enough to rejoice over me with singing, as Zephaniah three seventeen says. He is terrifying, but he is forgiving enough to place my sin behind his back, as Isaiah 38, 17 says. How can I not be thankful? Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened in my life. He will be, if you allow him, the best thing to ever happen in your life. How can we not be thankful for a God like that? And so what can we do? Make a list. Just sit down and think about everything that God has done for you. Write it out. And then verbalize it, speak it back to him and allow gratitude to fill your heart and to say, God, you are this God and you have done all of this. I want to worship you now with reverence and awe. Last thing is, is really simple. Simply say thank you. Just 
say thank you because unexpressed thanks is no thanks at all. I want to kind of illustrate it like this. This will be our last exercise right here. But um, I'm going to draw a circle. I am no artist, but I'm going to draw a circle. Look at that, Andy Jewett, right there, man. There you go, that's for you. Okay, so this is a circle right there. And um, try to illustrate like this. Okay, uh, kind act is given. So somebody does a kind act. Kind act received. So a kind act is done. Somebody receives the kind act. And then thanks expressed. And so this is kind of like a gratitude circle. Uh, that's the only way I can figure out how to des describe it. So um, somebody does something kind, somebody receives that kindness, and then they say thank you. They express gratitude. And this is the circle. And so you look at that and you know that circle is complete. You see that and you're like, yep, everything's where it should be. That is a complete circle. Now, if this happens though, We look at that and we obviously know something is missing. And so a kind act has been done. Somebody has received that kind act, but it's very obvious that something is missing. And the thing that's missing is the thank you, the expressed thanks. There's a really interesting story in uh, Luke chapter 17 uh, where Jesus actually kind of experiences this in Luke chapter 17. And it basically goes like this. Jesus is walking on his way to Jerusalem one day and he's interrupted by these 10 lepers, these 10 people who have leprosy. And if you had leprosy at that time, leprosy was basically a death sentence. It was a very slow, very painful death. And, 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 and so if you contracted leprosy, you were basically a, a walking dead person. It was only a matter of time before you died. And so these people see Jesus and they cry out to him and they're like, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, do something to save us. And so Jesus uh, says, okay, I will. Go and present yourself to the high priest. Go and walk to the high priest and present yourself to them. And so they listen to Jesus and they do this. They go and they present themselves to the high priest. As they are walking, we're told in Luke chapter 17, they are healed. So as they are on their way to present themselves to the high priest, they are miraculously healed. And then we're told in Luke chapter 17, verses 15 through 17, we're told this. It says, after they experienced that healing, one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, Jesus himself looks at that and he says, something is missing here. Ten people were healed, but only one has come back to say thank you. Now, what I believe, I believe this. I don't think that the other nine were, were unthankful. I don't think that they were, uh, you know, feeling entitled or anything like that. They weren't bad people. I'm sure that their lives had just been changed. I'm sure that they were thankful. But their silence comes across as ingratitude, doesn't it? It comes across as not feeling thankful. And, and the same will happen in our lives. Our silent gratitude will appear to be no gratitude at all. And so the question I have for you is, who are the people in your life that you just need to say thank you to? Who are those people that do things for you every day? Little things or big things, doesn't matter what it is. Who are the people that you need to say thank you to because of all the stuff that they have done for you? Because the reality is this, silent gratitude will appear to be no gratitude at all. And your thank you will possess power. It really will. It will possess power. I experienced this uh, on December 18th, the Wednesday night. Pastor Dan asked me to come to Axis. And uh, if you're part of Grace Community, you know I used to be the youth pastor. I was uh, for 11 years the youth pastor, just transitioned this past August. And so haven't been working with teenagers for, you know, four, uh, four or five months, something like that. And so um, 
And so Pastor Dan asked me, he's like, hey, would you just like to come to Axis on December 18th? We're having an ugly Christmas sweater night. Would you just be willing to come and, and just kind of just talk to the kids a little bit and just have fun? And so I dressed up and I had this super ugly sweater on and everything like that, wearing a wreath around my neck, you know, just crazy stuff. And so anyway, I, did, I just thought it was just gonna be a fun night. I didn't realize though that this was a night dedicated, um, it was dedicated to me. And I had no idea about that. And it was a night that, what they wanted to do was just say, thank you for 11 years of serving at Axis. I had absolutely no clue that that was going on. And um, praise God for that. Um, <clears throat> that's how my heart felt, by the way, just, just clapping and happy like that. And so um, I was totally surprised by it, totally blown away. And what happened was uh, they set me down up front and I'm like, oh man, I can't believe this. So they sat me in a chair and for 40 minutes, um, kid after kid or adult after adult just came up and they were like, they just started sharing stories about, you didn't know this, but you did this one time and this is how it affected me. I just wanted to say thanks. Or uh, it looked like I wasn't paying attention when you were talking, but I want you to know I was, and this is what I learned. And, and thanks for coming over to my house that night. It was late at night and I was hurting and I needed somebody to talk to. And thanks for coming. You know, story after story, 40 minutes. I am still experiencing that, that night. There were power in those thank yous. I am still thriving off of that. Uh, I don't, it, there's just a power and a thank you. And so that's what I want you to know, that there is somebody in your life that you probably need to say that to, and they are going to thrive off of that. Because what's going on right now is something is missing. If you haven't said thanks to them, something is missing. So before you leave today, think about who that person is. Who do you need to say thank you to in your life? Who do you need to close the circle with? Is it your husband, your wife, your parents, uh, a coworker, a boss, um, a, a, a person in the parking lot, one of the greeters, a, a children's worker? Who is the person that has done something in your life that has helped you get to the point where you are today? Maybe you need to call them up or write them a letter and just say, hey, thank you for this. Who is the person that you need to say thank you to? 2014 is just right around the corner. I can't imagine any better way to live than living a life of thankfulness in 2014 because joy will flow into your life when thankfulness explodes from your heart. And so I hope that we leave here today. I hope that we leave here today wanting to choose to be thankful. I hope that we leave here today wanting to reflect on everything that God has done for us. I hope that we leave here today wanting to close all the circles in our life and be willing to say thanks to the people that have helped us. Joy will literally fill our lives when we do that, when we express thankfulness to God and to other people. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to be here. I, I pray for forgiveness for me, the times that I have just been ingrateful in my life, the times when I have forgotten how good you are and how blessed I am. And so I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive us, God, because it's so easy to fall to those lies. I pray that from this point on, that we will be the most thankful people on the planet. And we pray that you will get all the honor and all the glory for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a great week.